was done in a really beautiful, romantic and respectful way. Yeah, and yeah. it can be really romantic. Like, you want to ask my consent? Yes. <laughs> I mean, very eventually, yes. But yeah, asking for consent is hot. Welcome to Psychocinematic, a podcast where we analyse depictions of mental illness and disability in popular films and TV. I'm your host, Stephanie Fornasia. If you love our podcast and want to give us some support, make sure you're following Psychocinematic Podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. And check out our website, psychocinematicpodcast.com. For access to special bonus content, episodes, early access, stickers and contribute to our regular fundraisers, join our Patreon. Starting from $3.50 a month, you can be the coolest psychocinematic listener there is. I'd like to start this podcast by acknowledging and paying respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording this podcast on today, the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. And I'd like to pay respects to elders past, present and future and acknowledge that we are recording on stolen land. And I'd like to introduce my esteemed, wonderful co-host today, Zoe Simmons. I've described you as an author, copywriter, disability advocate, and social media influencer. But how would you describe yourself? Probably not <laughs> You influence me. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad. But um, I would describe myself as exactly how you did, I guess. <laughs> as, you know, journalist as well and author. You've won some awards lately. Oh, yes. Tell me about those. Uh, yes, I've got a couple of awards lately, um, which is wild. I just applied. I was very tired. I didn't think I would win. Um, I was like, oh, why not? You can't win it if you don't apply. Turns out I won several, <laughs> like a Women to Watch Award in storytelling. There was like Women Changing the World in, I think, Disability Leadership and Media or something. But um, yeah, that's pretty cool. And I've been nominated for a couple of other ones. So I guess hopefully they are good as well. But um, yeah, just busy doing writing, copywriting, um, and disability advocacy because it's something we don't really talk about all that much. I mean, we do on this podcast, but um, not in most spaces. So I'm really eager to chat. Thank you so much. And I'll make sure I've got all your uh, links in our episode notes so people can follow you and read all your awesome work. So today we're focusing on a TV show, very, very beloved TV show, Heartbreak High, Australian as well, which is fantastic. And it was your suggestion. What made you decide to pick this one? Oh, well, at the time I was watching Heartbreak High and I was actually going through um, an autism diagnosis and watching Chloe Hayden as Quinny on Heartbreak High actually really helped me. And so like a true autistic, I got uh, quite obsessed with it and you couldn't stop talking about it. And uh, when you reached out like, hey, it'd be great to talk on the podcast. It's like, Heartbreak High, you hadn't <laughs> talked about it. So I was like, yes, I'd had so many people recommend it. So when you said it, like, yep, this is the time to do it. <laughs> And I hadn't actually seen even the original show when you brought it up. Did you watch the original? No, I have not. I probably should. But I mean, the, the reboot is also really good. <laughs> I, I never watched the original um, and I didn't watch it in preparation, but I didn't think we needed to. But I think I was a bit young at the time when it came out because I was like, I remember it was on, but I wasn't old enough to watch. I wasn't allowed to watch it. I wasn't alive when it came out. The year after I came, knowing my age. But um, I don't think Toddler Me would have been into it. No. <laughs> I might watch it. I might watch it. If anyone says it's pretty good, I might, I might give it a watch. Well, I think <laughs> it obviously made a huge impact. And I remember it being super popular. And it sprung from that movie, The Heartbreak Kid, with Claudia Carvin and Alex Dimitriades. 
Have you seen that one? It's weird. It hasn't aged well. Oh, gosh. I watched it like many years ago now. But yeah, I think it became a bit of an institution for a lot of teenagers at that time, which weren't us. <laughs> but yeah, Cool the Next Generation gets to feel that. And even though I'm older than the age group in the show, um, it's really cool to see diversity represented for one. Like, yeah, yes, quite queer people, like, ah, disabled people, like people of color. Like, yes, we, we don't want all this cookie cutter crap. Yeah. Like actually show life as it exists and don't just have privileged views and voices. Exactly. I think from what I was reading, the original series had a good um, representation of people from sort of European migrant backgrounds. So there was Greeks and Italians and um, uh, lots of different diversity there, but not so much uh, First Nations representation or queer representation. As far as I'm aware, I haven't watched it, but it seems like they've just taken that and taken it to another level with this new series. So I loved it. I really, really loved watching it. Especially the second time. Me too. I noticed so much more the second time. I did not notice the first time, especially about autism. I was like, yeah, wow, I picked up so much more. I thought that was just normal. I mean, it is if you're autistic. <laughs> I also thought it was funnier on second watch because the first watch I was absorbing everything and the second watch I was like, this is actually also hilarious. Like there's some really funny moments in it as yeah. well. Oh God, I laughed so much just hearing like the very first, oh, am I allowed to swear on this? Oh yeah, I swear. All this <laughs> like, like um, Amory said that's like, like, what can't not say? <laughs> I know. It's so Australian and it's like, like I say it to my husband and stuff like that. It's just, it's not a rude thing as well. It's just what we say. No, like, yeah. If you, maybe you said that in America, you might be like, <gasps> but um, I, I feel like everyone kind of drops the seat. Oh, you're just yeah. At appropriate times, of course. Yeah. Like to podcast, stare. But yeah, it was hilarious and just seeing like Aussie culture and not like an American's version of it or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Although, wow, they take a lot more drugs and do a lot more than like I think I ever did in high school. Nah, same. <laughs> I did none in high school actually. So like. <laughs> I didn't even drink in high school. I only drank when I was about 21. So. Oh. But having said that, watching Heartbreak High was probably the closest feeling I got of what it was like to be in high school. I haven't felt like, oh, that's what it was like in any other shows that I've watched. I don't know. It just, it did take me back to high school days. Bullying. The bullying, <laughs> yeah. Oh, what joy to remember. But yeah, I guess like showing how you can be bullied, but still exist and overcome it, I guess. I think the social groups. Yeah. yeah. There's like the mean girls clickiness and then there's the sort of heartbreak high cliques where they sort of interdisperse. And there's always the arsehole in the group that people are somehow still friends with, which would be Inviter, I think. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, those people. Spiders have some okay moments. Yeah, he's an interesting character because he's like awful and says such homophobic, uh, misogynistic, awful things. But he also has a heart at the same time. And I kind of like him. It's weird. I guess it shows that people aren't black and white, like people have different layers. Yeah, and I think a lot of times acting like that is a defense mechanism or because something in your world is not okay and that's your way of coping. Like, I don't know, I've never been a bully, so I don't know what it's like, but I assume something's not good for you to treat people like that. Like, that's not anything I would ever think of doing to someone, so... I know, something must be happening there. Like, you, you gotta go to therapy, spider. <laughs> Just go to therapy instead of being an asshole. So we're in Hartley High and uh, there's a map 
that is discovered detailing the sexual exploits of Hartley High students, which has found graffiti on the wall of the school. All of the students whose names are on it are forced to attend a new sexual education course called the Sexual Literacy Tutorial, SLT, pronounced sluts by the student. <laughs> the MAPS creator, Amory Wadia, played by Aisha Maiden, becomes the social outcast after taking the fall for its co-author, Harper McLean, Asher Yasbinsek, who has stopped talking to her following a tragedy at a music festival they attended. But we don't know what's going on there until the end, last episode. Other characters involved are the principal, Stacey Woodsy Woods, played by Rachel House, who I really love. I think she does a really good job of being <laughs> a pushy teacher. And the English teacher, Josephine Jojo Obar, uh, played by Shika Ikogwe, um, who is forced to take this sluts class with the students. Darren Rivers, James Majus, sleeps on the street after clashing with their stepfather over their non-binary identity and eventually seeks refuge at their father Peter's house, uh, played by Scott Major, who was in the original show. Uh, Quinn or Quinny Gallagher-Jones, played by Chloe Hayden, we stand a queen, <laughs> and Darren befriend Amory with her new outcast status and take her to a party where she kisses her crush Dustin Dusty Reed, played by Josh Houston. Also thrown into the mix is Malachi, played by Thomas Weatherall, who's interested in Amory. Sasha, played by Gemma Chua Tran, who Quinny starts dating. Missy, played by Sherry Lee Watson, who is Sasha's ex and best friend. And Cash, an Eshe drug dealer and delivery driver. Zoe, do you know what an Eshe is? I, I saw this in the notes and I had to go Google it. I, I, I also Googled it. But I was like, I don't actually know how I would explain it. And um, apparently it's something to do with males who wear sportswear and listen to electronic music and like cry. And that's not the wiki. The Wikipedia <laughs> that said, which I thought was a hilarious description. It's Go something on. I didn't know existed until this show. Um, but it seems like it's something the kids say. <laughs> so I feel very out of touch. But he is essentially a drug, yeah, he's a drug dealer. He wears chains and sports clothes. And he's played by Will McDonald, and he comes out as asexual and starts a relationship with Darren. There's also Spider, as we mentioned before, who is not David Bowie back from the dead, because he looks so much like David Bowie to me. <laughs> and played by Bryn Chapman Parrish, uh, who is the school jerk. So that's essentially like the cast of characters without going too deeply into the plot, because we'll be here all day. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how it came about and the lived experience of the people involved. It sounds like the creator, Hannah Carroll Chapman, was a huge Heartbreak High fanatic when she was a kid. And then she's sort of managed to have a bit of a, a good career. She was on The Heights as well, which I, someone else recommended I watch. I haven't watched it yet. And she's been involved in lots of Australian media as well as special effects as well. And then she had the opportunity to um, create the new series and she had lots of really good ideas to sort of bring it to the here and now and then brought a whole bunch of writers on board from very diverse backgrounds. Yeah, and there's um, people of colour, there's people who represent queer communities and, of course, lots of uh, different people involved with disability representation as well. So I think that was a really good way to do it of, like, I'm the creator but I'm not just going to write it all because I don't know everything that I want to represent, so I'm going to bring a whole bunch of writers on, on board. Yeah, I was reading that they had to, like, really get into the headspace of Gen Z, which I think is why it's so popular because it's not just adults writing what they think young people's experiences are. Like they actually spoke to them for one and then looked at I think I saw someone saying that TikTok was very useful for yeah. it. And showing like Gen Z 
it's like in Gen Z, just video into the inner world, essentially, that we didn't have uh, when the first Heartbreak High came out. So yeah, I think it really speaks to young people with without patronizing or talking down to them. Yeah, not being like, oh, just don't have sex because like young people aren't, for the most part, going to listen to that. Like some obviously will, and that's obviously their choice, especially if someone's asexual or religious but um you know the reality is that's a time when you explore like your youth your like teens and your 20s um not that they're in their 20s in the show obviously but um yeah I think it's important to show that that's not necessarily a bad thing and destigmatizing those things because the stigma doesn't help anyone at all no um it definitely does not stop people from doing it it just stops people from knowing how to you know do it safely or like how to know what they want or consent and all those things so we can't just pretend that kids not kids they're teenagers (laughs) aren't doing things because they are exactly Uh, i love how that was explored with the sluts class Mm. with um miss obar sort of like she's been given this textbook which is like so out of date of like you know abstinence and um diagrams and doodle (laughs) oh my gosh for anyone that doesn't know what I'm talking about, like the first video they watch in Sluts is like a, so, a thing about consent and like someone has a bowl of noodles and they're st- sitting next to someone else with a bowl of noodles and they just, you know, start putting their noodles in their bowl. I'm like, but I didn't want your noodles. It's like, <laughs> and then obviously a lot of the characters are really confused. Like, why are they talking about noodles? And what, do you think that was <laughs> referencing there was that video or maybe it came out later, that video that came about milkshake? Yeah, I think that was before. That was, I, th- I definitely <laughs> think that was a joke about and how ridiculous oh. that is like what are you trying to say just be honest yeah i loved quinny's comment she was like that looks unhygienic it's like <laughs> it absolutely is <laughs> and yeah i think miss obo really tries to meet the kids at their level of that you know they're already doing it mm-hmm. um let's talk about how to make it pleasurable and positive for everybody we, yeah you don't see a lot of in classroom mm. at least i it's been a while since i went to school but we're sort of moving beyond that with programs like respectful relationships and things like that, but it's still an icky subject for a lot of adults that they just don't want to admit that kids are having sex and it's better to teach them how to do it nicely and safely. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I grew up going to a Christian school. <laughs> Same. So uh, I don't think we really talked about sex at all, except for like, oh, there's an egg and you inseminate and guys get boners and girls get periods and you have babies and... That's pretty much it. And it's like, that doesn't help at all. That doesn't give any information. (laughs) Did you have a lot of abstinence-based chats of like, you know, if you give it up, then you're not pure or, you know, innocent anymore? I think so, definitely. Like, not explicitly in the actual, you know, thing but um, like, it had impacted me so much that I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that until I'm engaged. (laughs) (laughs) So it didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, same. But there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing evil about it, you know, as long as you're being safe and you understand what's happening and, you know, everyone has consented. And I love this show. They're like, oh, can I kiss you? It's like people like, oh, that's dorky to ask. No, I would love if people asked that consent first before touching me or, you know. And it was done in a really beautiful, romantic and respectful way. Yeah. yeah. And it can be really romantic. Like, you want to ask my consent? Yes. <laughs> I mean, very if answer yes. But yeah, asking for consent is hot. <laughs> yeah. I really love the sex scene between Amory and Malachi. I thought, like... It was very representative, without giving too much information, of your first time in that it's awkward and fumbly. Oh, what a good first time could be. Awkward and fumbly and you sort of make mistakes and go, oh, no, that's not good. But it was respectful and positive. And once it all came together, it was all 
fine. And he kept asking her, do you like that? Is this okay? You know, it was just a beautiful description mm -hmm. of a nice sexual experience that definitely there was no trauma or yuckiness there. It was just nice. It wasn't mind blowing. Like that's not going to be, <laughs> oh my gosh. And yet when you knew, it's not going to be good. I kind of went a little into some of the um, actors and their lived experience. We'll talk a lot about Chloe Hayden. So before we get to her, I uh, just wanted to share what I learned about Aisha Maiden, who played, I don't know if I've said her name right, sorry, Aisha, um, Amory Wadia. And she's sort of talking about, I feel like Amory was kind of like a popular kid who sort of ended up the outcast. So she kind of had life in both worlds in the school. But Aisha sort of talks about how she's definitely had um, some bullying experiences uh, being a first-generation brown woman, um, and it's taken a toll on her mental health over the years. But she's really happy to play, like, a powerful young brown woman in a very authentic way. And she mentioned that she um, is quite socially anxious. But she's a musician as well, and she has released some music even before um, Heartbreak High. So I need to listen to it. I haven't yet. Very cool. <laughs> couple of other representation, James Majus. They play Darren, who is queer and non-binary, and James is themselves uh, non-binary and also from South Africa. Um, so also shares that intersectionality with their character, which is awesome. And they're, they're actually binary. Yeah. So cool. Yes. Also, they are just an icon. I can't wait to see them in other things. I feel like they're going to go so far. I love them as Darren, and I'm sure they'll be excellent at anything else. And also, we need more like non-binary people and like people of color represented and supported. And like, we want to see that diversity. We want to see people with actual lived experience playing that role. It's ridiculous how often people without lived experience are playing these roles when no one can do it better than someone who knows it, yeah. who's lived it. And they don't have to put too much effort in and it makes it really authentic you can kind of tell that they've lived it and I like that Darren's storyline isn't like coming out they've already been out for mm. a long time they're accepted at school there's a few catty comments from Spider but mostly they're they're not not rejected for mm. who they are and I really liked the relationship with their dad as well yeah you can tell because they were in the original series like he says I was you know homo homophobic and racist and I was terrible but you know I've learned and I'm really proud to be your dad it's just really sweet oh yeah there's one moment where I think he says something like you know it was just, he's talking about his book because Darren read it and was mocking him about it and you know he was like I know when something is worthwhile meaning like having a relationship with Darren and that was just beautiful and like going from this like macho dude that you typically think might be like oh whatever you can't be they them that doesn't exist that's not grammatically correct Ugh. <laughs> they then can be singular thank you very much yes and also who cares this is the only time you care about grammar you didn't care about it beforehand yeah bet i bet <laughs> sorry that was a bit of a tangent i'm a writer so grammar <laughs> is important to me yeah um but uh yeah i just really liked that they showed that growth and that acceptance and what love you can experience when you just accept your child which is wild that's not really the norm mm. you know it's i mean i think it's becoming a lot more accepted now but like you hear so many stories about LGBTQIA plus people that you know, get kicked out of home, they get told they're wrong, that never speak to their families again. And it's like, what? Oh my God, that is just awful. Mm. So I like that they 
show something different like you know that they can do better you can do better yeah and they're still like like his dad's not perfect by any means he's still learning but he's you know accepting and wanting to have those conversations with Darren and uh learn more about Darren and bond with them so I really like the depiction of parents generally in the show especially like Amory's mum is a real hard ass I love her but also she's really loving as well and um you know I, like Amory sort of accepts yeah this my mum that's what she does <laughs> Before we get to Chloe, I just want to mention Thomas Weatherall uh, as Malachi, who a bunch along teenager in the show, and in as an actor, he's a Camilla Roy man from Brisbane, which is where I come from, um, and he's a playwright. So that's a, that's pretty awesome too. Um, so it's really great that he was cast. He was written to be Aboriginal, and he um, they sourced an Aboriginal person to play that role. That's so good. But you couldn't have someone who's not Aboriginal doing that role, like. Especially with what they get into dealing with, like, uh, police brutality. Yes. Oh, yeah. my gosh. They would have, oh. It would have been very bad if they didn't have an Aboriginal man playing the role. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Missy Beckett is played by Cheryl Lee Watson, who is an RNT woman as well. And then Will McDonald. I had a little read about Will, who plays Cash, and I didn't see explicitly what Will's sort of sexual sexuality, how he identifies himself, but he mentioned that the journey he's going through is similar to him as an actor, and he drew on his personal experiences of growing up feeling alienated and isolated in the moments of discovering his sexuality. And he um, really empathised with the character of Cash, who is also really struggling with who he is. And you can really see that. I thought he was a really good actor. Yeah, especially like when Darren and Cash start hanging out and, you know, Darren is very confused, like, why don't you want to do stuff? And gets really angry and Cash, like, can't say it. Yeah. I mean, eventually they do. Yeah, but he's. A, I feel like he plays a very emotionally mature person for someone who also has to kind of front up with his Eshe gang and um, is expected to be this kind of other person, but he's also trying to be true to himself as well. Mm. I thought that was a really well-shown struggle that looked like it was very authentic as well. Yeah, and I loved his relationship with his nan, like... Beautiful. Awesome. I loved her so much. And also she really accepted him for who he was too. Like she had no, there was no attention there, which is a great representation of like age doesn't have to be a reason why you don't get sexuality or mm. or diversity. Like that's no excuse. Like it's fine if you don't specifically understand it, but you wouldn't unless you're living through it. But you can at least accept it and accept, you know, hey, my loved one is going through this. So, you know, even if I don't get it, I'm going to support them. Like with sexuality, with disability, with a whole bunch of things that can affect you. You just accept them and love them and trust them and believe them. And also do some research. Yeah. I think she was a really good example of a very supportive grandparent. They may have generational differences, but they get each other. That's really, really cute. So let's talk about Chloe Hayden. Had you come across Chloe before this show? I don't think so, actually. I think I'd kind of seen her around, but I didn't really register. You know, I was just like, oh, you know, that's a name I know. Um, but after the show, and like, uh, I, I read her book and like follow her on all the socials now. And uh, oh my gosh, I'd love to meet her one day. 
but yeah, just uh, fell down the rabbit hole of autism and books and stuff. And her book was amazing. And gosh, it just, it helped so much going through my own diagnosis, especially as an adult where I didn't know as a young person that I was autistic because, you know, we don't really see women represented with autism and we kind of only see it in a certain way. And also those representations that people think like, you know, for example, Rain Man mm-hmm. um, and like when not when neurotypical people play autistic and neurodivergent characters, it's like that's not actually they're just like basing it off what they've googled or watched briefly not someone's lifetime experience Mm -hmm. it's like of course you're not gonna know what autistic representation looks like if we've never really had good autistic representation especially with you know the media continually being like oh but you don't look autistic yeah it's hard to be autistic uh big a big uh f you (laughs) to the celebrities using their platforms to do that like it's not cool such as Sia. <laughs> Sia, yes. So, because um, there's a there's a line that um, Quinny says, which is like, okay, Sia, you mentioned to me earlier that you didn't know all the, the Sia controversy until you looked that up. I don't know what I was, I Googled, it was 2021 and I was like, what was I doing then? I think I was just working like multiple jobs and dying from my health. So I wasn't looking at like any media, but I looked at it now and oh my gosh. It was very pandemic lockdown times too. So yeah, there's a lot going on at that time. Yeah, I was so busy. <laughs> but reading it now and like that it was supposed to be like a love letter to autistic people and their cares, but like not having an autistic person play the main character that's autistic and also like the really oh just ick stuff and mm-hmm. the the restraint thing like that that can kill people yeah and i so autistic people don't want to be touched typically in a meltdown like it's such a difference seeing that depiction which my husband and at the time co-host and i watched for like a live stream and just like like i'll never watch it again it was so bad this is the movie music that sia creates seeing that and how over the top and incorrect and just disrespectful it was and then seeing quinny is just like chalk and cheese and as someone who's not autistic i can only imagine how empowering and wonderful that would have been to see yeah i mean like the first time i watched through i didn't realize so many of quinny's autistic traits were autistic traits because I was like oh it's just normal like everyone has like a bed full of plushies and like a list for their daily tasks and reminding them to take their food and brush their hair and whatever I'm like oh <laughs> or like you know everyone doesn't really get things like that and oh, yeah no there's, there's a lot I can't remember off the top of my head but it was like oh okay so do you mind telling us a little bit about your journey of going through the autism diagnosis or when you sort of realized that maybe that was something that you had so I never suspected growing up. Um, I was always like the weird kid. I always felt really left out, which again is something a lot of autistic people say, like feeling like they're alien. I'm like, oh, wow, I did. But I just kind of thought I was weird and kind of just rolled with it. Like, yeah, I'm weird. What are you going to do about it? Um, but it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I saw some autistic advocates talking about it, specifically like female autistic advocates, and pointing out that women are often misdiagnose and uh, we mask really well and I didn't realize that everyone didn't mask I thought that was something everyone did I thought everyone you know had scripts 
to deal with things. I saw everyone analyze what other people do in social situations, know what to do. Like, how much eye contact do you make? What do you do with your hands? What do you say? What's the correct response to this question that's not actually a question, but people still keep asking it like the, <laughs> hey, how are you going? But they don't actually want to know how you're going. I don't get it. <laughs> um, but I started, I guess, noticing some things. And I started to wonder, like, mm, I wonder if the meltdowns they talked about were the same as the ones I experienced, like, when I got overwhelmed or in a stressful situation or, like, sensory issues, which I didn't realize were sensory issues, like, you know, feeling uh, seams on your clothes and in your socks. Oh my gosh, I had so many tantrums as a kid. My poor mom had to find socks without seams, which was very difficult back then. <laughs> um, you know, like tags on my clothes and not being able to understand why that was making me so stressed out and like noises and not being able to listen and hear and rejection sensitivity dysphoria and difficulties hearing and like auditory processing disorder, I think is what it's called as part of mm -hmm. it. And I just thought those were all normal things. <laughs> thought everyone was faking it. They are not. <laughs> I mean, maybe autistic people, but. <laughs> and did anyone like at school or at home sort of pick up and go, hey, this is something you're struggling with. Let's look into that. Or no, or just sort of just know what through the cracks like so many young women do yeah well, I, I just thought it was mental illness to be honest because I've always had really bad anxiety and I also had bipolar and I've had that as long as I can remember but because of those things I just thought I was you know bipolar and depressed and actually a lot of people do get misdiagnosed with bipolar um, when it's actually autism but I do I feel like I have both <laughs> it's too wild to not be both oh my gosh and like the mania but um yeah, no one really said anything and I didn't really know anyone that was openly autistic. Um, I did date someone that was Asperger's, which we don't call it that anymore because they were a Nazi that experimented on kids. <laughs> so please don't use that term. Um, I mean, I guess if you... Public note. Public note by everyone, yes. Oh, look into it. It's it's so messed up what they did autistic kids. Um, oh my gosh. Mm. But um, yeah, I didn't really know anyone and it wasn't really something we spoke about. Like I bet lots of people I knew were autistic or neurodivergent because now a lot of us are getting adult diagnoses and being like, oh, that's why we were friends. That makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, I saw advocates like uh, Corey Sherland who talks a lot. I think they got diagnosed in their 40s or something, mm -hmm. um, but quite late in their life, I know at least. And I was like, whoa, how can you go through your whole life and people miss it? And then I started going through the rabbit hole of research, which is a very autistic thing to do but like you were ticking all the boxes as you were <laughs> yeah, didn't you chasing it up I was just but I, the descriptions of autism are always so like negative and from like a deficit basis and like I was reading about stimming for the first time because I didn't realize what I was doing with stimming like I do it a lot actually but it would always like stop myself because I realized people don't do that normally <laughs> as part of my masking but um you know all the information about stimming was like oh hide it it's bad you know it's harmful actually it's harmful to not do it thank you very much you know that's when it becomes worse and you start you know hurting yourself more which I I did because I didn't I didn't let myself stim and be myself and I was so masking all the time and overwhelmed and oh just didn't fit in and yeah I did end up hurting myself a lot as a kid um because of that and if I had just known if I had been able to look after myself and my sensory issues and stim and know all those things I think I would have had a much easier time I mean I may have been bullied more because people would have known I was autistic but I was bullied regardless yeah <laughs> oh, I, ju I just want to mention on that note too like you say that um it's seen so negative the DSM which which is generally used to diagnose autism is also completely like I feel like it needs a huge update you know it's 20 years old now but what diagnosis we what the criteria is and it's really based off a white male cis population so you know 
it, even the criteria isn't great that you have to pass in order to get the diagnosis. So I hope that changes soon. Oh, me too. I mean, thankfully, my psychologist that did it um, was really nice about it and seemed to understand the represent that how it presented in women, especially ones that mask really well. Mm. <laughs> I, I was like, whoa, I can't believe I was actually diagnosed because in my head I was like, oh, until I actually get a diagnosis, I don't really feel like I can identify that because like I always feel like an imposter, but I do for literally everything. Mm. And you don't need to do like you don't need a diagnosis. If you identify with these things, chances are you're probably autistic or yeah. divergent of some kind. And that's okay to self-diagnose. Definitely. Like, especially when it's really hard to access a diagnosis. It's very expensive and wait lists are super duper long, particularly at the moment. Yes, very expensive. I thankfully got mine funded, but it would have been $1,600 otherwise. I'm like, who has that money just lying around for? I've seen a lot more like 3000 Yeah, us. Since getting the diagnosis, how has that changed your life? It's been wild in good and bad ways. Um, it's been really good because I'm like, whoa, all those things I thought were just my quirky personality are actually awesome. <laughs> um, and like being able to understand myself more and how I can look after myself mm. and, um, you know, needing to rest more on top of being, you know, disabled and chronically ill in other ways, um, how much that impacts me and how much they all intertwine. So mm. um, it was really cool, but also sad. Because I realized, you know, how much, how many barriers exist for autistic and neurodivergent people and the stigma and the ableism and mm. it's just rampant and it's not, it's not okay. And like, ugh, I wrote an article a little while ago, I can't remember the exact statistics, but like autistic people are at higher risk of, um, you know, self-harm or suicidal ideation and actually taking their own lives. Our life expectancies are less. We're more likely to not have a job. And, you know, in some cases, autism has been used to, like, reject people from coming to countries or, you know, uh, or deporting people because they have autism. That happened too. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. Like, what? Because we think differently? Mm. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's just wild, which makes me angry, which fuels my advocacy. Like, no, I will not hide, even if it's scary. Yeah. Um, I refuse to anymore. So, yeah. And I feel like it's amazing having uh, role models, female young role models to who, with autism who want to advocate for that. Um, but I also feel like a lot gets put on your shoulders because it's a, you know, a space that's only starting to get bigger. <laughs> and yeah, it's awesome work that you and people like Chloe Hayden do to promote all that. I don't think I'd compare myself to Chloe. But I would. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, what an honour. <laughs> but it's funny, going back to Chloe, um, thank you for sharing your story too. Yeah, no worries. Really awesome. I So she has been around for a while. She was Princess Aspian on YouTube, which now that I know her a bit, I actually watched a few of her YouTube episodes, particularly she talked about love on the spectrum and how she didn't love that it was sort of othering, you know, uh, autistic people finding love. And like, it took me a while to go, oh, that's her. So she's been advocating for a while. She was diagnosed with autism at the age of 13 and ADHD at the age of 22. Um, she's also like into fashion. She's also got a new podcast out, which mm -hmm. I am so excited. I haven't started listening yet. I've just got so much to do, but I'm very excited to listen to it. And also her book, Different Not Less, mm -hmm. is, uh, I haven't yet read that, but it always sounds like essential reading for anyone that wants to learn more about autism, that thinks they might be autistic or ADHD, like it's mentioned a lot in there, mm. but also anyone that loves someone or just wants to know and be a better person. I think like these stories and ways that you're 
othered as an autistic person and the barriers you experience and how much harder neurotypical people make it trying to make us fit into these neurotypical boxes when that doesn't work and it causes a lot of harm and it doesn't help anyone it doesn't even help neurotypicals like no oh no. it's so frustrating just uh, no let people be and on that note too um the fact that she was chosen to play quinny which is a autistic person representing an autistic person it's wild that this is rare but it is and as someone who's not autistic i thought her portrayal was just fantastic and like the best portrayal of autism ever but what do you think so i i love it i mean i am only recently more aware of autism and like how it actually presents because again i thought it was normal so like all these quirky characters and it's like, no, they're probably autistically coded. <laughs> but I think a lot of people are, aren't diagnosed. So, you know, mm. they could be actually neurodivergent and not realize it. But I, I really liked it. I felt they showed a lot of things and like really subtle things. Like I was reading an article about how when Chloe was acting, uh, you know, she was just being herself and like stimming and whatever. And the director was like, that's great. And Chloe was like, oh, awesome. I just get to stim it. I don't have to do anything different from normal. Embrace the tism. <laughs> but I loved it. And like, oh, it does sensory overload so well and mm. masking as well. And like, so, oh, you don't look autistic. Yes. I love that how we see a neurotypical's response to learning that she's autistic too from mm. Sasha but also as someone who likes her but is just you know doesn't understand yeah. I guess how did that sit with you that that oh that yeah trail? I mean I understand Sasha's character was to kind of show the neurotypical responses to it and it's not necessarily Sasha's fault because we don't have autism represented and we don't have it taught for the most part and we haven't traditionally spoken about it so I understand why someone doesn't get it but uh, oof, like the part where Sasha and Chloe, not Chloe. <laughs> what is Chloe? But uh, I mean, Quinny. We can use those words. Those names interchangeably. Yeah, they were like, uh, they went to a date and, you know, they're at the restaurant and Sasha's talking and she's really excited. And Chloe is just quiet and can only manage a couple of words because, like, she can hear, like, the scraping of the cutlery, mm-hmm. the billions of people talking, like, moving of chairs. And, ah, it's a lot. And um, when Sasha says, like, oh, I've seen autistic people, you know, you're not autistic. Not those exact words, but along those lines. And it's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, so so good. Chloe calls out, well, Quinny calls out, but it's masking. I'm like, I'm yeah. pretty good at masking. You probably wouldn't be able to tell all the time. Yeah, I think it's a really good way to show that if you're not familiar with autistic people and you have only seen those very over, you know, dramatic or not representative representations, <laughs> that was a mouthful, sorry, then. This is what not to do in that circumstance when you've met someone who's autistic. Yes, don't say, but you're, I, I met autistic. Yeah, you, <laughs> uh, just, just don't. Yeah, just don't. Yeah, just move okay. away from that. I believe you because you're the one experiencing your body, not me. It's very <laughs> gaslighty, isn't it? It is. Like, yeah. oh, you can't be experiencing that because, like, I've seen people that experience that. That's not what you look like. I'm an expert, not you. Yeah. I. What did you think about Sasha too? Because I, I really felt that like she genuinely liked Quinny and I think they were they had a they had some cuteness in their relationship but the while she tried to sort of accept Quinny and also try and give her accommodations like um when they had to do a, a assignment in class she was like oh I um we're sitting outside because I know it'd be easier for you like I like I love that. that but then when Quinny's like she's been waiting for her you know whole year to go to this book site. Angelique of the Underworld yeah. <laughs> like no matter how she sort of obviously conveys that she's so excited about this and she's got a whole plan in place. Sasha just like shits on it. 
It's pretty shit. And then just makes it all about her during the actual event. And I just, it just made me really dislike her as a character. What were your thoughts? Oh my gosh. That, that episode. Oh, because like having special interests is so beautiful. Like autism and joy is so beautiful. And like Queenie's dressed up. She looks great. You know, she's meeting a friend that she's been friends with since I think they said like primary school. Yeah. Yeah. Obsessed with yeah. And like she had everything planned out like to the minute, all these bus schedules. And then Sasha's like, oh, it doesn't matter. We can just do this. Doesn't matter. And like then talks to a friend and like Chloe is like anxious. And, like I need to we're ruining our plan. Yeah. And, oh my God. I felt so anxious watching that. Like, oh, I would die. I would die. <laughs> I mean, I'm often pretty bad at being on. <laughs> but like when you have something planned and it changes, like, no, that's so stressful, especially if it's something you're so excited about and you wanted to get there early because mm. you want to be in line sooner and be with your friends and be excited. And, you know, Sasa's is just like, oh, no, we'll get gelato. And like, oh, here's my friend we're talking. And like, they're just talking. And Chloe kind of cartons like a scene on the bus. And mm. Chloe just puts on her ear defenders. And like, she's like, oh, she's on the spectrum, Sasha said. Yeah. So I know that she's explaining it, but also like, maybe. I'm... And the facial expression of Sasha's friend is like, mm. like, <laughs> it was a good representation of how people can be yuck about it who can talk on a bus when there's all these noises around i mean i guess neurotypical people can but it's so loud and confusing and like you just don't know what to say and you're like oh when do i pop in the conversation when's the right time and like you're waiting for a gap i mean chloe was pretty overwhelmed i think just stressed or to get to it but it's really hard to know how to converse and that's if you can hear <laughs> yeah so oh gosh and i think what's disappointing i guess for any relationship is meeting people where they're at and like enjoying their joy mm. and being in their world and then they can be in your world and like mm. taking that it's a bit of a balancing act and i feel like quinny did a lot of being in sasha's world mm -hmm. a lot of the time but sasha didn't really do that in response and she sort of controlled what the day was gonna how the day was gonna pan out for quinny and quinny actually like let her do that even though at the time she's just like what the fuck I just, you could just really sense that tension but like feeling like she had no choice because she also loves Sasha yeah and you want them to be you know happy but it's it's hard balancing your needs and being a people pleaser which I think a lot of people are but yeah sort of neurodivergent people are too because we have been treated horribly by people and we're like oh we need to do this so you don't hate us or whatever uh which is so sad but like Sasha could have behaved so differently she mm -hmm. could have gone there and be like okay no we'll get on there on time because you really want to be there um or how about I go get gelato you line up and I'll meet you there yeah um or like hey take some photos oh hey I'll do this not just sitting in the corner on her phone looking bored like yeah it was so rude. I was just like, going on this lap, I'm like, oi. I mean, like, I understand, like, for example, and if she was autistic, for example, I, like, you know, being on your phone and being, you know, not paying attention isn't necessarily rude, but I guess, like, it was more her attitude towards Yeah, I think. It, I, it made Quinny feel like shit. And, like, afterwards, we're on the bus going home, and Quinny's like, oh, I don't think I have the energy for that. And she's like, oh, but I want to go to this party and socialize with the people and, <laughs> oh. And she says a line that just kills me. That's something like, well, it's a lot for me or something. Yeah. And like, don't play the autism card. It's not playing the autism card. It's, ex it's explaining. Yeah. And I'm like, why your attitude is the truth. And mm. oh, just the you're too much thing. Like, yes, people that like make your disabilities like, oh, it's such a, it's so hard for me. Mm. And then Quinny's like, imagine what it's like for me. Like, yeah. Your whole life. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. be selfish. Actually think of the person experiencing the thing. And if you love them, you'd support them and care for them. Mm. Like, 
And I don't think Sasha had to do too much, really, to to support. Like, it's not like she was asking her for too much. She didn't, like, also, Quinny just said, you don't have to, you go to the party, I'll, I'll do my thing. Like, um, sometimes our, it's nice to have our own interests separate from our partner as well. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Sasha really showed some true colours of being a bit of a selfish person, I thought. Mm. And, like, when Quinny's nonverbal after her meltdown, which, oh, my gosh, that was so hard to watch. Because... Mm been there yeah how do you think how did you find that representation of being non-verbal and had the fact that you can have days like that i mean i have mostly been verbal because i talk a lot (laughs) although i do get really quiet i guess i never really had an opportunity to be non-verbal because i never knew and i just kind of pushed through it i was like i don't really want to talk but i have to but i was usually like the quiet kid in the corner anyway so i often didn't say anything so i guess maybe that was part of it as well i don't know but um i understand that like, you know, for example, a lot of like work meetings, I don't want to verbally communicate. I don't want to s- communicate through speaking. It's mm. taxing. It's mm. hard. Yeah. So like I often communicate through chat, which is how I realize like, oh, wow, it's it's significantly different energy. But yeah, yeah it's oh, the, the part when like Quinny is quiet and um, Sasha comes over and she's like, please don't hate me. It's like you can see that she doesn't hate you. She loves you. She's just not well. And you really didn't help her in this meltdown thing where like Darren comes over and you know they uh I, I think they hug her or something uh or she goes to hug her yeah I know that Amory tries to hug Quinny at, when she's having a meltdown uh and Darren the, no, no, touch, no touching the Quinny <laughs> and like Darren like converts the bathroom into like a spa place with candles and like quiet and just sits there with her until she's not overwhelmed and yeah. can go out and like handle it like, that's how you support someone. Thank you. Yeah. Bless Darren. I love how they say, this bathroom is our world right now. Yeah. Like, you know, it's such such a reassuring way to be like, okay, you need space. This is where we're staying. You and me. Don't No pressure. This is it. I thought that was really beautiful. Um, He's really a champion for her, which is really cool. Like, that's how people friendship. should act. You know, it should be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to help support you because obviously yelling at you or like, why are you being neurotypical? Isn't going to help. And I think some ways that Sasha tries to support Quinny is by making decisions for her, like when they're in the party and they're doing, I think it's cocaine, and and she's got she goes off with Missy to her drinks before Mardi Gras. She just decides, oh no, you wouldn't like it, so I'm not going to invite you, which is very different from the way Darren supports uh, Quinny, which is like alongside her and as an equal sort of um, more support rather than making decisions for her and deciding what's best for her because I think I think also Quinny really her response to that is really nice and saying you know I can make my own decisions I'm not a child if you know don't just decide for me so and then Sasha's like oh well I don't want to deal with you and it's like um I don't know you can you can Oh, yeah, that was gross. And, like, also, like, Sasha had plans to come over and pre-drink with Chloe. And not, Chloe, Quinny! <laughs> like, they had plans, and then she just changed that plan. And then, like, as soon as they got to the party, Sasha just runs off with Missy to go do drugs instead of hanging out with Quinny when Quinny's already in an overwhelming environment. Yeah. Like, it's just rude. And, like, then Quinny's like, oh, I need to be alone. Like, um, shouldn't you, like... I mean, I feel like Sasha just needed to really look into autism a bit more. Yeah. Hopefully in season two, they just ask Quinny what she needed. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a... Just ask. Yeah. What do you need? The best way to deal with it is ask that person what they need. I think it was very obvious that the representation of Quinny was very effortless for Chloe because she was just herself. And the 
I, I wonder how much influence she had in writing the character because some of her responses I feel like came from Chloe a little bit. Yeah, I did read that she was actually involved in the writing and making oh, sure the so. characterization was, um, you know, authentic. And um, I, I read something about the Sia thing because I'm pretty sure Chloe called Sia out about it. Oh, yeah, on Twitter. Oh. And um, yeah, yeah, and then uh, she was like, oh, Netflix are letting me not only call it out, but, you know, write it and whatever. It's like, yes, thank you, Netflix, for at least allowing that. <laughs> Forgive me if I'm wrong, and I'll look this up later, but she may have been the person when Sia responded to the backlash, she was like, well, I didn't have any autistic actors at the time, or I had an autistic actor play, but she, it was too overwhelming for her. <laughs> and I, it might have been Chloe that said, I'm an autistic actor. I could have played the role. And then the response was, well, maybe you're not a very good actor. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if that was Chloe, though. But if it was, well, clearly she's a very good actor. Yeah, the the articles I wrote about it, it had the original poster, like, blocked out. But it was like, yeah, lots of us could have done this. Yeah. But also, so many environment is too overwhelming for an autistic person i don't know maybe make it accessible is that wild apparently according to sia and she's like oh i should have done more research yes she should have and not through autism speaks which seems like the like she went like i can't believe these places that they're not autistic and they're like oh we need to cure autism or like i'm i'm don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure Autism Speaks are doing research into um, detecting autism like when someone's pregnant. Mm. It's like, that seems like eugenics. It is. It 100% is. Their mission statement used to be searching for a cure for autism, which they have removed on their website, but they still clearly have that agenda. We don't need a cure. We don't need a god. You know what our cure is? Acceptance. Yeah. The society is the one that needs to cure. Yeah. We just say directly what we think it should be and like, we say what we mean usually <laughs> like that doesn't happen so often and like i don't know i don't know how you guys don't get sensory issues uh, <laughs> it's wild to me that you just walk out and like the light isn't too bright and you can just talk to people if there's multiple noise sources and you know what to say <sighs> i mean yeah, i'm the weird one <laughs> no i think you're absolutely right and um there's no excuse to not make things accessible and there never was, but there absolutely isn't anymore. Like, I can't believe Sia wrote an, a, a movie about autism and didn't have autistic people involved. At all. And then we're just yeah. like, oh, I should have done more research. Hmm. You think? But luckily, shows like this are happening more and more often where not only are autistic people involved and starring, but they're also consulted and a huge part of the process, which is just essential to make it authentic. And also, like like you say, with someone like uh, Quinny, it makes such an impact on young people, people of all ages and um, all over the world to see someone like Quinny represented and go, ah, that's a that's a role model I can I can go with or that looks like me and I'm a bit like that person so maybe they chase up a diagnosis or maybe they're already diagnosed but it feels like much more empowering for them yeah I think that wow. green and to like see the following that Chloe has and like how many people come to her events and like especially young girls and it's so good because we didn't I didn't have that growing up and like I, I, in Chloe's book she says that she didn't have it growing up and that's why she wrote the book because she was like oh like this would have been so helpful for me to know and it's just not something that really happens, but it's so important. And also to show that, like, you cannot just have one autistic person and represent the entire autistic community. Mm. It's a spectrum. There's so many, you know, there's different levels, there's different aspects, there's different parts of it that just affect some people more. And, like, people saying, oh, you can't be autistic because you're successful or because you make eye contact or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, 
Mm. Forcing yourself to make eye contact. Thank you for the most part. <laughs> but also for the fact that everyone's different. Yeah. In, t- in terms of autism, there's a reason why they've got the word spectrum in there. Everyone's traits can present very differently. So just because you've met someone with autism doesn't mean you know what autism is. Yeah. And also like a lot of really successful people are autistic. Like that's also our fields because we're following our special interests. Like <laughs> there's so much negativity about autism. Like, oh, it's a tragedy. Or like, I remember reading an article where parents said, oh, it's like a death in the family. Like, whoa. Jesus. Um, Where does he value your child or whatever? Like, why? <laughs> I mean, I understand that sometimes it can be difficult managing autism, especially if you don't understand your sensory issues and you're having meltdowns and like you are doing harmful stimming. I can understand understand why that's hard for you know your family who loves you but it's also hard for you and Mm. there are ways you can be supported just by you know seeing what you need but often we don't know what that is because we don't we don't see it we don't think we can ask these differences so it's so important to have this yeah yeah and it's really opens up the conversation in areas that people may not have had them and because it is such a popular show and so beloved Anything else you want to talk about, uh, Chloe Hayden and that representation of autism? Yes, but we'd be here for a very long time. Feel free to (laughs) share some more thoughts, though. Oh, it was just wild. Like, reading her book was really life-changing for me, and I've now read so many more autism books. Um, I'm a bit obsessed. I've just been reading uh, Kay Kerr's books. Um, I really need to read that one. They're so good. They're like a warm hug for your brain and just like, oh, really affirming because I was like, oh, that's how I think. Oh autistic right because <laughs> I'm always like oh I'm not autistic enough like even coming onto this I was like oh I'm I'm an imposter like, no no I'm not I'm not I think that's a common thing that happens in the disability community too particularly early uh, new new diagnosis and even for people who might not even have accepted that diagnosis and, um, because they're not sure if yeah they are disabled enough to have that that label or be part of the community it's it's a I guess it's a bit of a journey for lots of people too yeah I mean uh, same with any in, invisible disability like I had the same issues when I started being diagnosed with fibromyalgia and when I started experiencing chronic pelvic pain and likely adenomyosis which I can't get a diagnosis um so hard um, that's like, awful you don't feel like you can say that because we're kind of conditioned to all be like oh no we're fine and push it out and whatever like just get over it when like you know you kind of you kind of can't and it's really bad or way no and like it took me a long time to identify as disabled um but the reality is if you have something that impacts you and like makes it more difficult for you to exist in this ableist non-disabled world like yeah you can call yourself disabled like that's fine you don't have to like wait for someone to knight you and be like hey you are and dub the disabled we passed the tests oh you know you're allowed to identify as that um and it is really hard because we have a lot of ableism and like mm. oh i'm not disabled enough. oh other people have it worse and like it doesn't matter what someone else's experience is what your experience is matters mm. um so it also like, it's funny as like, I'm not autistic enough, but literally everything I do is autistic. So I'm like, I kind of can't mess it up. <laughs> it's kind of in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's the brain that you've got. I just want to touch over some of the other issues that are represented um, that at least I personally don't have experience in, but um, the representation of First Nation issues. I think that was pretty amazing in the show. From what I can see, it was very like nuanced and very important in showing that connection to mob and country and how that was really important for Malachi and how Missy and Malachi bonded in a very unique way. And that 
that episode was written by a First Nations person who, uh, Maine Wyatt, uh, wrote the episode where the police brutality um, scene happened um, and all the outcome from that. And a lot of Malachi's character came from that writer. So it's really great to see a really good portrayal. It doesn't also hit you over the face with it. It's kind of um, just very, in a in a very natural, organic, authentic way, shows um, how powerful um, having that Aboriginal representation and that being um, a big part of Malachi's identity, as well as Missy and her brother and how they connect with him. And I looked up the national, I think it's, National Indigenous Times. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> National Indigenous Times, who like, really love that portrayal, not only the way that a First Nations man comes face to face with police, but also how that journey affects Malachi physically and mentally. And it's that it's not until community, uh, Missy and her brother gets involved before Malachi can start the healing process and go out to country to reconnect with his identity. I just thought that was really beautiful. And I hope we see more of that on screen. Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, just the police scene where, you know, he's not even being aggressive. He's just, he's just a drunk. They start a drunk shit. <laughs> There's so many kids there and they start pushing him specifically. Oh, like only him. And yeah. then like, then like throwing him on the ground. That looked like it broke his goddamn back. But like police brutality happens often and we have a system that hides it where they protect each other and like mm. often don't get justice, which is ridiculous. And um, it, this is just what we hear about. Imagine what we don't hear. Yeah, I, free. It just it frustrates me so much that these systems protect these abusers, and you know we need to dismantle these systems because it's not okay that you know a kid has this experience. And like we, we as we see in the news, somewhat regularly, like you know it, it often happens. Yeah, First Nations kids get killed they get beaten and you know adults as well and in so many areas of our society and it's ridiculous and we don't acknowledge it and and the media doesn't tend to report on it as widely as white kids no and you know if a first nations person does speak out like stan grant they get abused and just the most horrific abuse and i just don't understand why why that I mean, I understand why it happens because, you know, white supremacy and all, which is bullcrap, but it is the foundation of a colonized society. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we don't really recognize those things. So I think this show is good at subtly and not so subtly showing it. But also like the fact that, you know, Amory can't understand yeah. Mal- what Malachi is going through. I'm like, yeah, if you're not a First Nations person, you probably cannot understand that level. No. And like, we need to talk about it. We need to stop it. Like, it's not that long ago. I mean, it's... I, I don't know if it happens now. It probably does. But, you know, 20 years ago or so, um, you know, I saw stories of police killing queer people Mm. and like being protected. And no doubt that happens to many marginalized groups. And it still happens to First Nations people. It probably still happens to queer people. Definitely trans people get the the brunt of it too. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's not the police, it's the general public. Like, no, people deserve to be safe. And that shouldn't be dictated by your skin color, gender or sexuality. It's just ridiculous. I hate it. So a bit in a rant there, but... (laughs) Feel free. <laughs> and I love how when it happens, um, the people who aren't First Nations in the group are like, we've got to report it. We've got to get it on camera. We've got to send it away. And Malachi is just like, no, 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 no. Um, and that need to sort of swoop in and be the saviour and, mm. and tell the world 
when really what Malachi needed in that moment was a sa- some safety and some support for him and having to balance that need to share the brutality but also be there for your friend, it must be hard. But also for Malachi, it must be so frustrating because they're like, this is, there's no point. They're, they're not, it's not going to go anywhere. I'm just, yeah, I'm freaking out right now. Um, mention like the racism and potential violence you might experience as a result of speaking out. Exactly. And, yeah. Like the emotional toll it takes. Like it's not that you, uh, like in that moment, probably not the best time to open yourself up to what will occur by opening like how they make jokes about it and they've got people just having the noise of him like getting thrown and like laughing at it i i don't know how that's happening like why aren't you horrified i mean i know it's fictional but like it happens it is it's based on fact yeah yeah 100 percent. um so it's really good to see that story and what helps malachi and the fact that it's actually connection to his culture that helps him i think that's really good to portray that too and i think they do that in a really lovely way yeah I'm just going to talk through, I guess, some of the stereotypes that are subverted, or I guess as we go along, we'll probably end up talking about some other representations as well. For me, I think there's a lot of subversion of disability tropes that we often see, like there's autistic people who love sex, like Quinny is very happy to have sex, someone who wants to be in a relationship, had friends. She has affection. She makes eye contact. Like you see her and Sasha cuddling up and kissing and it's like, yes, like autistic people don't always don't want to be touched. Like usually if it's someone that you care about, it's okay. I mean, obviously it depends on the person, but you know, I thought that was really cool to show this excited, creative, powerful, passionate young woman, um, you know, that's exploring the sexuality, but being unapologetically autistic and like, you know, wearing her ear defenders. She's stimming. She's got, you know, dealing with her sensory things. I just really liked that they showed that, you know, representations of autism typically in media have not been accurate. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, and also the fact that it's dynamic too. One day she can um, be comfortable with lots of different changes and her environment being a bit overstimulating. And then other days she can't. Um, and that's sort of the nature of lots of disabilities, that it's not stagnant or static, um, that it's quite changing. And it builds up. Like, I don't know if anyone listening to this has heard of, like, the idea of, like, a, I think putting, like, a Mentos in a Coke bottle or something. You know, you shake it up. you got one thing, like, a sensory issue, and you shake it. And, like, obviously, you're not actually shaking a Coke bottle. But, like, you know, one sensory issue might be, like, a little bit. And then another thing might happen that's a little bit. And then you have other these things, and it, it builds up, and it's more and more and more, and just blows. Mm. And, you know, it's not easy to deal with that. And I think we see Quinny sort of go through that at, at various points. I really like the the meltdown scene too in her room. Like it was hard to watch, but it it felt really authentic at the same time. Oh yeah, just that I've been there. <laughs> I don't know if neurotypical people do this, but like I ended up so like doing the rocking. Like I'm actually rocking right now. <laughs> I didn't notice. Um, but like you know, um, screaming and like letting it out through like verbal ahs. Mm. Sorry, I can't think of the words. So I just decided to make the noise. <laughs> But, you know, and the crying and, like, hitting the ground and hitting yourself. and like, wow, that is accurate. Was that hard to watch or? Yeah, I felt that. I really, you know, also they say autistic people aren't empathetic. (laughs) It's more the opposite. Too empathetic. I mean, I think I'm too empathetic. So I feel emotion so much that it hurts. So, like, yeah, seeing that represent just like, oh, I've been there. I just want to give her a hug. But obviously that's not the best scenario. A virtual, sentimental hug without actually touching when someone's not in a state to be touched. 
but you know yeah. at least love and like hey it's okay you don't have to be ashamed of that like it's the world that should be ashamed that it's causing you to have to put on all these masks and cope with all these things and not get it and like people love you making it worth in some cases definitely yeah um i really liked the subversion of the sort of masculine stereotypes of teenage boys like so many of particularly you know the jocks on the show like malachi's a jock but he's the most gentle person and cash is like an essay so he's ve- you know in that very masculine culture but he's he seems to be either pansexual or bisexual and and ace so seeing that um, representation and like smashing that sort of het mask stereotype in a lot of um, that and the fact that there's sort of bisexual vibes well uh, they obviously have a threesome um, between Malachi and uh, yeah. Darcy and Harper yeah yeah oh that's so bad like that is not what someone needs and they've just been through trauma I just think about that I thought it was like Harper taking advantage of a vulnerable person like I don't know if it was conscious but that still doesn't make it good and also your friends like even if they had broken up like she says she thought they had they just broken up like that's a shit move not a good thing regardless of the trauma and adding that it's like hey no maybe maybe don't do that to a and also like how much extra stuff that caused like no no maybe maybe support him or if you don't have the expertise find someone that does that can deal with it or you know talk or distract i mean i guess a threesome is a distraction <laughs> sure <laughs> probably not a, not a healthy one no not when you don't want it like that and it's confusing and you're just in this state of you know shock after trauma yeah having said that i think they were all on some sort of they were mean as well yeah there was a lot of drugs going on so yeah in terms of whether that's a good thing to do in someone who's just experienced police violence probably not the best course of action i also loved how you know he's seen as like this sporty guy that you know can go to i can't remember what it is but improve his basketball career or whatever and like go to other sports as well that he likes i think dancing mm. um which that's really cool like mm. showing that but um well before they go to mardi gras they he comes to pre-drinks at darren's and mm. he's like oh do you want me to gay you up and he's like yes please and like <laughs> that's not he's just like yeah cool no there's nothing wrong with that like i can does he wear a skirt or something yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what, but I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, it's so nice that it's not like, oh, no, I'm not wearing that because I'm a dude. Or yeah, it's like, hey, no, you're still a dude. And also, it doesn't matter. Just wear what you want. <laughs> I, I think that's one of my favorite parts of this. Everyone is, a, there's such a diverse range of sexualities and gender representation, and it's all just accepted. The only person who ever makes fun of any of it is Spider, and he's obviously got some stuff going on <laughs> to feel like he needs to do that because no one else bats an eyelid and it's all very accepted and also just the discussions about sex and how it's not about um doing it or not doing it it's just doing it with pleasure and it just makes me so happy that we, we see that represented on a show that's aimed at teenagers i do i do like it i mean i'm not sure people that young should be doing that many drugs on the <laughs> um but like we do have an aussie culture of drinking like i started drinking when i was 14 which is not good if you're listening and you're of influential age don't do it it was to cover up depression mm. which is commonly um, but also like i used alcohol as a way for me to be able to communicate with people and socialize because it got rid of a lot of my like mm. oh my god what do i say because like i'm drunk it doesn't matter and they're drunk too so it doesn't matter was it sort of something to help help with the masking and and yeah i think it definitely helps and like maybe not care as much because I think, I overthink everything. Mm. Oh my gosh. It's just, 
and then like rejection sensitivity dysphoria. I'm like, oh my god, is it the right thing? Do they like me? They must hate me. Even like good friends that I hang out with, and afterwards I'm like, oh no, they hate me. They must hate me. And then like text me like with a love heart or something. Like, okay, they obviously don't hate me. Why does my brain do that? <laughs> but yeah, I I think we definitely need to change Australia's drinking culture, especially for young people. Like, I don't really drink much anymore. Um, went through a really bad period with drinking a lot. I was very depressed. This. Uh, you know, my mental health was very, very bad. I didn't want to live. So I was like, oh, who cares if I'm drinking too much? Because I don't want to live. Like, I don't care what happens to my organs. Now I do. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not good to live your life hiding from things through substances. Like, it's okay to have fun, but you've got to recognize like, hey, you're drinking every day. It's probably not great. Mm. Good on you for sort of going through that journey to, you know, realize that's not not working for you. Um, it makes my chronically ill body now so sick, though. I do sometimes when I want to have, like, you know, fun. and But, yeah, I notice the difference and it's like, ugh, it's not worth it as much. I can't do it. It makes me feel so terrible. <laughs> I think that depiction, like, generally the depiction of drug taking and alcohol is pretty safe until we get to Harper's story in which we see her dad sort of going through what seems like quite severe mental illness and uh, it looks like he's having psychosis, so potentially a schizophrenia diagnosis or something but that's not really labeled but it seems like it's tied with whenever he goes to the pub um so there could be alcohol induced there and then harper sort of coping with that when they're at the festival by getting quite drunk and then waking up in the sha gang's car but having said that like it was kind of like i don't think it was victim blaming the way they had dealt with that because once harper's story comes out they go to actually charge the boys involved and no one actually says, well, how did you get in the car? Or why were you drunk in the process? What were you she, wearing? Yeah, nothing like that. She says, oh, I was drunk. They're not going to take me seriously. But they do in the end, which is maybe not accurate. I'm not sure. <laughs> probably probably not. <laughs> but the fact that, you know, you know, after Cash actually releases the video and shares who, who were in the car, which, you know, ends up turning himself in as well, which is why I love Cash, mm-hmm. you know, the, the justice is given and she's um, not seen as someone to blame in that circumstance. Yeah. So I did like how that was handled. Yeah, that was really, that was rough. It is a reality that, you know, I think the statistics on sexual assault are not at all accurate. If there's anyone I've spoken to about it, I've been like, yeah, I've had experiences too. And like, especially if you're autistic or disabled, like your risk goes up higher. And yeah. Yeah. And the fact that people don't report because they don't think it's going to get an outcome and they're just going to be, it's going to make it worse for them for having to go through that trauma again. Like, I think uh, this was like 10 years ago, so the statistic's probably wrong. I may even get the wrong statistic, but it was something ridiculous low, only 18% of sexual assaults reported, which I don't know how they got that number if they, you know, don't know. Um, again, that may be wrong. I may be completely wrong there. But it obviously is a low amount because, like, when you do, what, how do you prove it? It's, it's like it's oh. so often that there's no evidence that you can actually share. Yeah, and even if there is, chances are they're not going to get convicted or not go to, you know, get the justice they deserve that, you know, it's so much trauma to share it and to go through that and getting your name dragged through the mud to ultimately have no real benefit. Mm. I mean, if they get away with it and whatever, and like how they treat like Grace Tang, for example, like or mm. Brittany Higgins, like calling it the mm. Brittany Higgins trial. Like she's not on trial. Thank <laughs> you. She didn't do anything. Like, I feel like there's like a, just a, a sprinkle of that represented in the show um, that is like, I guess we only kind of find out towards the end, but it also colours all the experiences that Harper is having mm-hmm. uh, and the place that she's at. Oh, that scene with like 
the cops come to visit the school and like they split the boys and the girls up. Which, oh, yeah. oh my God. Whatever. And like the boys talk about like sport or athletics and the girls like, how, oh, how many are you in this The girl's like, oh, how do you not get raped and whatever. And like the, the, the cop is like holding Harper's arm, whatever. And you can see she's getting triggered and yeah, burns him with a lighter. Got you to stop, didn't it? Yeah. But like, oh my gosh, can you consider that some of these people like have trauma? Like don't just... And like, even if they didn't have trauma, they could be autistic and not want to be touched. And even if they don't have that, they may just not want to be touched. Yeah, exactly. Like, and also the fact that girls are given like how to protect yourself from men and men are just given nothing, which is very accurate. When they're the ones that are probably going to anger a lot of people. But statistically, they are the ones doing these things. That's not to say that women don't do these things. However, it is statistically men doing it, committing violent crimes, committing sexual assaults, um, not to invalidate anyone that, you know, is a male and has experienced themselves. Like that happens a lot as well. I'm mm. not invalidating that at all. It's not like an us versus them thing. It's, you know, recognizing that this is a cultural issue and we need to talk about it and we need to change it. And we're not going to address it if we just bury our heads in the sand and pretend it's not happening or that, you know, oh, but what about men? Or what would she wear? Generally, I feel like the show was very, very helpful in many, many, many ways. Do you agree? Yes. <laughs> um, I don't think that that's debatable. Is there anything in the show that you thought maybe could have a harmful depiction or maybe maybe she could have been dealt with differently or better? Yeah, I, I think how Sasha dealt with the autism stuff could have been handled better. Um, but I think that's part of it. It's, you know, showing people's bad reactions to it. And I am excited yeah. to see season two and how they explore all these identities and like mm. asexuality is something that we don't really see represented and, and like, you know, non-binary, we do more now, but, you know, typically that's, you know, not being represented as much. And, oh gosh, I think non-binary and trans people experience a lot of extra stuff that they shouldn't have to. Yeah. Um, I do I meant, meant to mention as well the representation of being asexual. There's a lot of stigma and inaccurate beliefs that it means they don't want to be in a relationship and they don't want to have any kind of sexual contact or they don't, they're not attracted to people. It seems like it's a bit of a, a spectrum of, mm. of different uh, ways that's expressed, but for Cash... He did want to be in a relationship. He was attracted to Darren. Darren says, I, can, I know you can get a heart on, but the actual act of sex was something he doesn't want to do. That was a good representation that, you know, smashes a lot of the stigmas around yeah. asexual. And like makes people like, oh, I can't be asexual because I want these connections. It's the same with autism and like so many other things being like, oh, you can't be that because I've only seen it represented like this. I'm like, no, there's many variations and everyone's experiences are going to be different and everyone's experiences are valid. Um, I do also hope they go into more First Nations represent representation and more of the issues because, again, we don't talk about it and we really need to do address, you know, systemic racism and that we need yeah. to do better and like homophobia as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the show is pretty good. Like, it's pretty accepting for the most part. Oh, even none of the teachers really seem to bat an eyelid as well, which is good. Good. <laughs> I don't think that is as common. The only thing I was kind of a question mark about was the representation of Harper's dad having, which was clearly a mental illness. Um, it was very scary and quite violent, um, which could have a negative impact on anyone who's kind of going through what Harper's dad has gone through. And the fact that no one names his illness or sort of talks about what sort of um, treatment he might have, 
it's sure. it seems to be it was alcohol induced because Harper was stopping him from going out. It could be drug induced, and I think that could have been explored a little bit more. And the fact that she doesn't share any of any of that with anyone, like obviously, I think the storyline with Amory is she's sometimes a bit stuck in her own head, and Harper didn't feel like she could share that with her. But it sounds like there was a lot of connections Harper had in her life. It would have been nice to see her actually share. I think my dad has a mental illness, or this is what's going on. Oh, I don't feel sad. Like for like the thing that you know Harper is mad at Amory for is because she came. To, she was supposed to stay the house the night of the party mm. at the foot in the first. Oh, it was first and last episode, I guess, of when it's mentioned throughout the show. But you know, she didn't let her in the room. But if Harper had said. Hey, I'm not safe. Yeah, I'm sure Amory's reaction would have been different. Yeah, um, and it wasn't like like clearly she tells her about Strider later. Um, I don't think Amory realized the gravity of what was going on for Harper, and if she did, I'm sure she would have been there. Um, but yeah, I think it there there is positivity there, and that um, Harper's dad clearly loves his daughter and wants to be there for her. And that's separate from the mental illness. I think you can see that difference. But yeah, I just think that could have been a bit more nuanced in yeah. what how that was dealt with. And addressed a bit more and like showing his healing. Maybe we'll see that in season two. But Hopefully. like alcoholism is something that affects a lot of people. We're a country that celebrates drinking. So of course it's going to be an issue. And when you mix mental illness and maybe like trauma, like that isn't explored. But this is a real issue. And I do feel like it was maybe kind of glossed over, but... Yeah, I do definitely agree that it needs to be spoken about more. Mm. Um, yeah, and then so like people like Harper might not feel as difficult to talk about it if people in general do talk about okay. it. Let's see, yeah, yeah. Um, but I understand, you know, not wanting to share your trauma and because you know you, you can't be let down by someone if you don't let them in. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But I guess we'll see what season two holds which i don't know when it's coming out but i know that it was announced like at the end of last year that it's happening so maybe we'll see some uh continuations of some of these stories hopefully more people in therapy yes <laughs> therapy oh i'd love some therapy representation yeah, please and like good and showing like of course there are lots of bad therapists and psychologists that are harmful and messy at work a good one but there are lots of good ones and they save your life and it's so good to talk to someone about your issues and yeah it's not going to judge you and give you like better advice sometimes again if they're a bad psychologist they may not they may oh god just, <laughs> just thinking about how they try and blame pain and chronic illnesses oh it's just in your hand you're just anxious uh, no <laughs> but yeah i hope i hope that's also in it and i think they portray like a really great role model of a teacher with miss oba mm. so hopefully they can do that with a therapist um yeah in the same sort of way and maybe compare that with someone who's like um woodsy who's trying but not very good at it yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are other identities that haven't been explored in this or should be explored more. Um, and I hope that continues. I hope they continue to bring on diverse people and like, see, hey, what have we missed? What is not being shown? What is not being seen? What do we not talk about that we can create social change with this? Because representation is so powerful. It can it can change the world. Mm. So I really hope they'll continue that and do good stuff. I'm excited for season two. Yeah. And reading about um, the response to uh, Heartbreak High, a lot of people who saw the character of Quinny um, did say that that really helped them mm. in pursuing their own diagnosis or just feeling seen. Yeah, um, myself included. <laughs> yeah. So that's brilliant. Yeah. Actually watching Quinny when I was getting my diagnosis helped me think of extra things to tell the psychologist. You know, yeah. I was like, I didn't realize that was it. I'll write that down. So thank you, Chloe Hayden, um, so much for everything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is amazing what just one thing can spark. So yeah. Thanks, Heartbreak High Riders. <laughs> you did good. 
Well, I think that covers everything. And looking at our sort of general score system, like I don't think we need to go through them in great depth because I think it passes all the, like there's lived experience there. It's a very accurate portrayal of many things. It's overwhelmingly helpful and very much smashes some of those stereotypes. Yeah. I mean, there's probably things I've missed because we're not perfect, potentially, but like, not potentially, we're not perfect. It's already a long enough podcast to... <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for joining me today, Zoe. Um, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you on social media or online? Yeah. So I'm an an overachiever so i am on everything um i am on twitter at it begins with zed i'm on instagram and tiktok as something beginning with zed um i'm on facebook as zoe simmons journalist um i think it's like zoe simmons journalism no something like that if you type in zoe simmons journalist it'll be in the um, (laughs) episode notes too cool and like my website so you know feel free to reach out but yeah yay for autistic representation and lived experience and all the good things thank you so much for coming on to share all about that oh thanks so much for me it's been great